Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another uh, entry into this uh, weird impromptu series where I talk to people that uh, that I'm interested in via Zoom and uh, people that I might not be able to talk to otherwise. Um, but today that, uh, that is only partially the case. Um, we have our good friend and occasional contributor, or maybe our good contributor and occasional friend, uh, uh, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. Josh, what are you doing here? Doing here? I'm yeah. Not, oh, I'm not. No, I mean here, like on the sh- on oh. the show, like on on people's podcast feed. Well, listen, there's this. Uh, I'm here to promote something. Can you believe it? What are the odds? <laughs> no, I don't hear from you for months. <laughs> And then you've got something you need from me, right? Interrupting yeah. my constant promotion of my documentary. Exactly. I was like, enough of that promotion. Exactly. People are tired of it. People need to laugh, <laughs> right? I, I I think so. And boy, have I got good news for people. Oh, what news is that? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that's one of my. Incidentally, that's one of my favorite. People don't like. No one laughs at this line as hard as I do in Doctor Strange Love when the president is talking to the Russian premier or whatever, and he goes, and he mentions the Sterling Hayden character and he says, he went and did a silly thing. Pause and goes, well, I'll tell you what he did. And for some reason, that <laughs> line delivery is the funniest thing ever. And I'm the only one that ever, that ever like cites it as maybe my favorite line of the film in uh, Dr. <laughs> Strange Love. But anyway, okay, so, uh, so yeah, what's, what's the good news? So the good news is, uh, if you're looking to laugh, I got a little movie for you called Man Camp. Okay. Which uh, you'll be able to see starting April 21st. Okay. For pre-order now, but you can start watching it on the 21st. It, it, so this is a film that you've seen and you just recommend. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I, I just I heard about it, haven't even seen it. I just yeah. it sounds the title sounds funny, yeah. and not at all like the title of another movie that came out in 2013. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. But uh, this is this is its own thing. Now, I, I happen to be involved in uh, in this film. I am one of the writers on the film, mm-hmm. along with uh, two other guys, Dan Cummings and Scott Cruz, who are also <laughs> performers in the film. This Scott Cruz guy sounds intriguing. That Dan guy, you know, whatever. But uh, this Scott guy really has appealed to me. Um, well, is there good news for you? <laughs> what? What's going on? Well, if you. If you just open up your ears, you might you might hear him. What What do you mean? What's hello? Hello? Oh, who is that? Uh, is Is this thing on? <laughs> uh, not for much longer if we keep up with this bit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes. Uh, so our other guest here is uh, Scott Cruz, co writer and actor, and uh, just all around iconoclast. I like to think um, uh, with the film uh, Man Camp. Scott, uh, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, yeah, um, this is a, a film that uh, listeners know I talked about on the movie journal um, a few weeks ago, and then my written review was just posted at battleshippretension.com. It's a film that I uh, that I viewed favorably. I, I laughed quite a bit, and I felt some things as well, uh, you know, uh, stirrings and that sort of thing. Not like sexual; that sounded inappropriate, but like emotional stirrings. If that's um, what 
That's true. There is a fair amount of shirtlessness in the film. So, you know, it's not my place to... By yours truly. (laughs) By yours truly. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it it was working for me. I'll tell you that. Really? Um, Your your chest gets like a good, like gets like an, uh, an entrance in the movie because you come in and then rip the the plastic. That's true. Off of your, so it's like... It's kind of its own character in the film. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It has a bit of an arc, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But uh, okay, so enough enough screwing around. Sure, right. Enough. We need to get down to business. Absolutely. Man Camp 2019 or 2020. I guess it's officially a 2020, um, as opposed to Man Camp 2013, which looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. I hope they're listening too. Yeah. yeah, starring I believe God's Not Dead's own um, Dean Cain. Dean Cain in it. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Just to give people an idea of that level of quality. But anyway, but no, I'm talking about the real man camp, the one that peep that is catching on like wildfire all over the internet. I was reading about it over at Nerdist. I was reading about it at Zeke Film. I was reading about it at Battleship Retention. Uh, so, you know, so what's it about? And, uh, oh, uh oh, I just realized that my cat is stuck in here with me. So I'm going to let him out. These damn quiet cats. Um, We'll, we'll, I'm gonna we'll let him out. You guys, you guys we'll vamp. vamp. All yeah. right. Oh boy, I don't like this at all. So do we have? Thanks, Tyler. So now we can say anything we want to during this. So this is kind of our time period. Our we are on the show now. So this is this is Battleship Pretension with Josh Long and Scott Cruz. Um, <laughs> hey guys, thanks for oh, being on the show. Back up. Oh, okay. Hmm. And so yeah, at the end of the day, Tyler, it's just uh, it's about it's all you about, know uh, it's all about film. Film, right? You know. I, Oh boy. All right. What have I, what have I done here? Now I remember why, not that it's that ever that far from my mind, but now I really remember why I hate Josh so much. Mm. Um, So, and then Scott, I'm sorry, you've gotten swept up in that uh, by being associated with him. Okay. So no, the question is this to the world, a reminder of why they hate me. Yeah. It's you are a constant comparison, like, especially these days, you know, like, Hey, I've been, I've been, at home with my wife and getting along, but Hey, when you're with, when you're stuck with someone, of course, you're going to argue a little bit. And then I realize, well, you know what? Things could be worse. I feel bad for your twin boys. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for your wife. I, I feel mean, you bad for crying. you. What was that? You heard him crying. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. When, when, uh, when Megan picks them up, they're fine. And then suddenly you walk in the room like, Hey guys, look at my dumb beard. Yeah. And, uh, just anyway, the waterworks. <laughs> Okay, look, this episode is not about making fun of Josh, much as I might like it to be. Um, it is about Man Camp. Where did this thing get started? That's my question to you. Okay. Um, well, it didn't get started with Josh, I'll tell you that much. Sure didn't. Yeah, he's kind um, of a hanger on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this puppy was born in 2011 with my buddy oh, wow. Dan Cummings. Uh, we, we wrote what could be considered a first draft back then. Okay. And, uh, just, uh, was spending a lot of time in his, uh, makeshift man cave, uh, that up in the Burbank, uh, lower Hills. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just decided at that point in our early twenties, um, what would it look like to tell our own story? And, uh, and we both come from, 
uh, kind of similar backgrounds. He's from Wyoming. I'm from Colorado. And uh, we both just kind of had these upbringings of like, you know, a certain idea of what it felt like to be a man. <laughs> and our dads were like kind of the quintessential men in our mm-hmm. lives, just like these mountain men, uh, cowboys. And so we just figured like, were these knob jobs out here living in LA, uh, not living up to our, our dad's, uh, you know, uh, history and past that, that they had. And what, what would it look like to kind of like reassess like manhood and, uh, you know, kind of maybe what we idealize as, Mm -hmm. as, uh, when you're a young male, like what that, what, what you're going to grow up to be. Um, so that's kind of the birth. And then we forgot about it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's like enough introspection for one day. (laughs) Let's move on. Go back to being a knob job. Two year old can handle. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I was just back to the, uh, the natty ice and ping pong for a while. Sure. But, uh, no, we, we, uh, we kind of stepped back just from life happening, uh, uh, career and, and stuff taken off that kind of sent us in, in various directions. We continued to create together over the years. And then, uh, around 2016, we were just kind of like, why the hell haven't we made this thing? And, uh, and so we, we reread it, didn't think it was as bad as we were fearing it would be. But around that time, knowing uh, Dan and I came from like, like we had a YouTube channel for years and like wrote a lot of sketch comedy together and short films, but we had never done a feature. And we were realizing that our writing style is, was so bit heavy. It was just sure. about the jokes. And I, uh, and it was really hard for us to see outside of that. And so um, that's when we fortunately found yours truly, Josh Long here. And uh, and he just kind of took the script and made it whole and flushed it out and just kind of helped us see a side of, of what would drive the plot and actually tell a good story. Um, and so we were able to kind of reshape it in, in 2017 and, and we just kind of hit the ground running. We were just ready to, you know, stop uh, knocking on doors, waiting for a career to happen out here and just uh, kind of take it into our own hands. And, and we, uh, you know, we went through the pre-production process and, you know, as, as many indie, indie stories uh, would go, ours is pretty similar. It was, you know, you had to find the money somehow and mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot less than what you were hoping it would be at the start. Um, but we did it. We were able to kind of slowly break away from this like dream of what it means to make a movie and kind of realign with maybe what like the Duplass brothers would say is Mm -hmm. how to make your, your first few features and, and kind of just get more to the, you know, nothing's holding you back, but your own expectations. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was just awesome to have, a script that we were way more confident in um, that we could, honestly, that's how the the movie got made is people believed in the script because we hadn't made anything before. Mm. So, yeah, it's something that you, that you hear a lot of people say these days is, is that 
well, hey, everyone's got a camera in their pocket. And so it's so yes. easy to make a movie. And it's like, look, I get what everyone's saying when they say that. But at the same time, uh, you still need good microphones. And you also don't want the camera to be merely functional. You, you actually want some yeah. good camera work if you can get it. And, that is uh, honestly what annoys me most is this yeah. make your own content movement that has happened because nobody even knows what that means. Uh-huh. And like, and, and I'm sorry, but not everybody should make their own content. <laughs> Boy, that's true. That doesn't stop them, but it's true. It doesn't. But <laughs> and everyone can make a movie is the same thing as saying like everyone can sing. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. should they? Yes. Um, Does anyone want to hear it? But I did actually have a question as you were talking about when you and Dan were, were first having this idea um, and the stuff you were talking about in regards to masculinity and what it means to be a man, you know, uh, and I don't even say this jokingly, like the questions that you're asking are very serious questions. And yeah. so at what point did you decide that like, oh, we're going to go the comedy route with this? I mean, obviously that was, that's your background. That's what you're more comfortable with, but you know, how did you look at these pretty important questions and say, you know what, let's, let's do some, let's do some bits. You know, how did you arrive at that point? Well, I think it was just, I mean, for lack of probably uh, a deeper look into it, uh, it kind of happened simultaneously. Like because our background was writing bits and jokes and just being these, kind of uh immature comedians in so many respects uh we do value story Mm -hmm. and so we we wanted to tell something that wasn't just that but just naturally the way we put it on paper uh was very bit heavy And, and it was actually funny one of the first drafts that we um that we had we read through it and it was so dark we we were like we were like not finding this balance right of like, you know, telling this, this kind of story of coming of age story of these brothers um, while keeping it light enough. It was like just trying to find this balance was really tough for us. Um, But I would say that uh, when we let go of, when we let go of it, of needing to get this like, point across to our viewers or to our readers at the time, you know, it became something more natural and organic. Like sometimes you can get lost in the message and you're, you know, you're, uh, you're trying to just force your, your opinions, uh, to people. And it's just like, people don't want to see that because that's not the way life works. You know, we learn things as we go. And, um, and so I think we just kind of finally like, took it a little more lightly. Like, yes, this is like a, these are serious questions that, you know, we all ask, but, uh, you know, oftentimes it's funny because in the moment you're not ready to face those questions. And so it's like life hitting you on one side and like, you know, maybe your lack of understanding life hitting you on the other side. So you kind of, it's a comedy of errors in that sense. And And Josh, Josh, I know that you are a big fan of people like Wes Anderson, who is, I'd say, first and foremost, like a, he makes comedies. They are often bittersweet uh, and deeply melancholy, but uh, his style and the types of characters that he creates are 
for lack of a better term, kind of silly. And they could be in the hands of its slightly different director. They could be almost cartoonish. And so, like, and I know that that, and yet nonetheless, in his better movies, he's able to delve into some pretty rough stuff. I mean, like Royal Tenenbaums has a suicide attempt and oh, yeah. all, kinds of, all kinds of rough things. And so, and Josh, I know that you're a big fan of, of his, you know, so when the script came to you and it's like, okay, we need it to be funny. And even then a specific, it's a specific type of funny while also incorporating these themes, you know, how did you go about, and the fact that it didn't, the script didn't originate with you. That's something that always is fascinating to me. Like even when, when I hear that somebody has written a spec script of a show and it's like, you didn't create these characters. Like how on earth do you go about doing this? Right. Yeah. I I think one of the reasons that it worked out and I think that, uh, that Scott and Dan even wanted me to come on in the first place was, I I think we were very much on the same page as far as, as far as the type of comedy, like I could look at it and I could say like, I, I get exactly where you're coming from with that joke, Mm -hmm. which it seems like that'd be kind of an obvious thing, but it really doesn't happen. It doesn't happen enough. Even sometimes with actors, like you'll see, like I remember some of the web series things I would do. Sometimes you'd have an actor come in and you'd, you'd have the line written. And then like, I understand why this is funny, but the actor wouldn't understand why that was funny, you know? Yeah. And great actors are very good at it. They can, you know, great comedy people can balance a lot of stuff, but um, it, it, in the writing process, I feel like it helps so much if you have a similar sense of humor and can like uh, get where the jokes are coming from. So I think that was one thing is, is we, we, when I read it right away, I connected with, the types of jokes it was trying to make and, and the way we were trying to make those. Um, so that was, a, that was great for me. What um, do you mean by trying to make like jokes that we were trying to make? Right, like they, like they were almost jokes, but they right. really just needed a oh. to handle them. <laughs> all, oh, okay. It was all set up. And then Josh comes in and gives and delivers those punchlines. Imagine if mm. like you got a script and you're like, there's no, there's no punchlines in this script. Like everything yeah. is set up and you'd be like, who's uh, like that. <laughs> yeah like one character's like oh man this guy is so old and then that's it no uh so but yeah i liked so much of the comedy in it and um i i think it already when it came to me i think it already had a lot of the balance like it had a lot of both of the like the heart and the comedy and um i think uh, my, the first thing I did coming into it was, uh, was just cutting stuff down. And I, I think I, I was just helpful in being the, the extra set of eyes to say, like, I know, uh, I know what you're wanting to do with this, but if you lose it, you're okay. And, you know, I don't love to cut a ton of stuff out of a script, but we all knew it was too long at that point. And I think you cut 15 pages or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was trying to remember even things that I had, that had been cut. And I don't even remember if I did cut this or not, but there was a, there was a fun thing that just wouldn't have worked practically for what we wanted to do. But I I had forgotten there was a whole bit there was going to be with like them as kids. We were actually going to see like the three of them as kids work together to do like a big prank that on the mom. So it was like, this is the thing they do together. They do pranks. Um, But that w- that was way too much for an intro, and we had and for your, the kind of budget that we were <laughs> working with. Yeah, it's not and cheap I, to I, hire kids. No. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I can think of two twin boys that, uh, that you know, you might, although I guess at the time of filming, they were uh, not around. Um, they, they were not. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, and also having seen the film myself, I do think that seeing the dad would have been detrimental. I think, I, I think. I, and I really like the way that beginning intro played out. I think it mm-hmm. starts with, it's, it's silly and lighthearted, but it really, uh, it gets at like where they're, where they're coming from and a little bit of where their pain is. I, I, I think that that really works well for the, for, and, and to, to lionize him and mythologize him, you know, not seeing him. It's very, it's very easy when you lose somebody, especially after a number of years to, to idealize them in a way that it's like, no, they still had their flaws and Mm -hmm. your idea of them is not who they actually were. And that's very much what this film is about. And that's the thing that resonated with me, uh, not merely for my own uh, personal experiences, but just it, it definitely, I think it does it in in a way that is respectful, but it acknowledges that like, yeah, there is. Uh, it, it's so easy to get focused on where you came from. I mean, Jen, uh, my wife and I were talking about it today, um, that we, we have a table in our living room that was refinished by Jen's grandfather who passed away. And there's this instinct to want to hold on to it because he, mm-hmm. he gave it to us. It It's kind of a crappy table and it doesn't fit with anything that's in our room. And so it's just like... <laughs> what do we do? Do you hold on to it simply because of this connection or do you recognize that? And, and then Jen herself said that if her uh, grandfather looked at it, he'd be like, man, this table is actually very good. You know, he himself sure. might, might move, encourage us to like get rid of it. And so uh, that, that is, uh, I did find, I found a lot of the humor very funny, but at that core uh, I really responded to what the film was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um uh, thematically and from a character standpoint. Um, but I realized that we haven't actually talked about what the film is actually about. We sort of talked around sure. it. So if one of you felt like uh, summarizing it a little bit, that would be great. I'll, I'll let Scott do the honors. Okay. Lovely. We Scott, take written, us away. We have written so many different oh, synopsis yeah. and log lines of this freaking movie. Um, but I, I like to say that it's, uh, actually, it was funny. Who was it? The Zeke film that said that was like relating it to uh, onward, onward the entire time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which um, I hadn't thought of, but actually it was a there's yeah. something there. There's something Fun there. But yeah, essentially, it's a it's a a story of three brothers who uh, every year they they remember their late father by by going on this this man camp trip. That's just uh, a time for them to let loose and, and kind of honor their dad and, and bond and, and they do it every year and they come home one uh, summer to find their mom in a uh, closer than they would like relationship with uh, uh, her boyfriend that they have no idea that she has. So, uh, in the in the heart and vein of parent trap, they, uh, with quotations, invite him to the weekend uh, camping trip, uh, while subtly and then not so subtly trying to uh, excommunicate him from uh, sure. the family. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I definitely feel like that's a good enough setup without giving anything uh, anything away. Um, because there are there are genuine character developments, and I feel like um, I forget what it was. I think it was the the Nerdist review that I was reading, and it mentioned that like most of the humor comes out of the characters instead of the circumstances. And in my opinion, most of the heart and the humor comes out of the relationships. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I have uh, said on the show before is that, like, whether it be a romantic relationship or a, or a, a parent-child relationship, um, it can be hard to fake that level of familiarity um, or that level of chemistry. Like, whereas, you know, my, my brother and I don't really see each other that much, but when we do, there's an immediate shorthand that occurs. Mm-hmm. And that, from a writing standpoint, certainly from a performance standpoint, that is a hard thing to fake. And I do feel like uh, the way the three brothers interact and then when you see the way they interact with their mom and it really does feel like there's a history there. And, uh, and so, and, and out of that comes a lot of genuine emotion, but also a lot of, of humor. Um, mm. And, and that's, and that's something that at a script level as well, you realize that, Oh, we could either have these characters say this thing or, we'll just have the actors give each other a look and they, and they will immediately know, and we'll immediately know what they're both thinking. Sure. Um, stuff like this has a tendency, I guess any movie has a tendency to be overwritten. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, and I feel like, yeah. And there's the idea at of, one point <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> before and Josh then, uh, came in. Yeah. And then uh, Kingmaker Josh Long comes in and, uh, <laughs> and cuts everything no, down. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it, from an, from a, indie filmmakers like you know uh crazy uh just circumstances of having to make films with with minimal resources like we were actually pretty nervous about the the, uh, ability to all mesh together as a as a cast primarily because uh dan and i didn't meet eric until he showed up on set Hmm. we didn't meet pete until he showed up on set uh, we did, and we didn't even have a day to really bond with these guys before we actually started shooting with them. So just the happenstance that we had these actors that were willing to play, that were down to earth, that were like easy to just connect with, like it made that really risky uh, choice of, of not being able to, you know, rehearse or anything with, with these actors beforehand and get to know them. Like it, it, it was, um, definitely the biggest like stress relief and like just gift that we received uh, on set was just having these actors that were totally, you know, ready to, to jump into this. And, and they also got our sense of humor and yeah, we, we were, we lucked out hard. Yeah. And uh, I did want to, let's see, I'm pulling up all the, uh, the info here. Cause I wanted to make sure I got all the, all the, credits right um yeah so uh you know pete gardner and eric stocklin um were as you say they're kind of for lack of a better term that sounds mean they're outsiders they weren't like part of the the initial group um but they definitely seem to uh they definitely seem to get the tone um and of course uh pete gardner because he he plays the the 
the the suitor of your character's mother uh and so he is an he is an outsider and in many ways he's the exact opposite of what these three brothers were grown you know were taught growing up and so um so he is in a way it's it's a little bit okay if he doesn't totally mesh with the tone as opposed to like change it up but he definitely uh, i mean both of those actors are required to look pretty silly at times and obviously so are you, but, uh, but you wrote the thing. So you knew yeah. what you were getting yourself yeah, exactly. into, um, but, uh, they definitely seem to be on board and, and, and game yeah. to do whatever for this, as you say, you know, a smaller, lower budget indie movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both seem to really be excited to do it. Yeah. 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 We, we just couldn't have been more thankful to have them on board. And I mean, it was so funny. Like, uh, we would, we would try to, we had, you know, you, you have to make sure no matter how small of a budget you're working on that you're trying to provide the, the SAG standards for, for different, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the cast and crew. And so, especially for your, for your name talent, you want to make sure they have, you know, either their own trailer or, or equivalent. And, uh, we were always looking for Pete when it was time for his, uh, um, scenes and he was never in his trailer he was always on some couch uh you know shooting the shit talking with a a pa or Hmm. some crew member or a cast member like he was just there to to have fun and and just uh be a part of the whole thing so it was just so refreshing um and then were there i mean were uh were there rewrites that would go on as you were, as you were shooting, like obviously like working with these actors and be like, Oh, you know what? I think we can rewrite this to be more their voice. And I assume there was a fair amount of um, improvisation as well. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that, that, you know, Pete, Pete brought to the table and Eric was great at too, is just uh, having some, some of these improv backgrounds. We were, we were pleasantly surprised with, with some changes happening in the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know, so Dan and I would, would kind of, uh, take off our producing hats in the morning and, and put on our acting hats and try to kind of focus in on these things so that we these scenes so that we could be, you know, devoted to the, the roles. But then, uh, you know, as soon as the, the, the shoot day was over, it was back to the writer's hat and producer's hat and looking at what we need to change for the next day, if things didn't work or if we, uh, and so there was a fair amount of rewriting happening, um, uh, just to, you know, that's the other part about independent film is like, you know, you don't know until you're doing it, you know, some things are going to have to change. Yeah. And, and so there, that was happening and it was, you know, exhausting at times, but, uh, fortunately I think the biggest chunks that, that were, uh, potential difficulties kind of were already, taken care of before we hopped on set and then yeah definitely uh, a lot of fun improv uh, pete was hard to keep up with in that realm <laughs> he just didn't turn off well and he also just again he has sort of license to be as silly as he needs to be the character is just right. with every new scene he's just doing something even more dorky than he was doing in the previous scene. And uh, he seemed to really enjoy that. Um, I did have a question uh, to put your, uh, your actor hat on. I did have a question in regards to tone because Mm -hmm. one thing that really surprised me as I was watching it is like, there are, and I say this in my review, 
yeah. and Josh and Josh knows this because he and I have uh, have disagreed over movies like, for example, Napoleon Dynamite, um, and and Love even it. the first Bottle Rocket. Uh, I have a hard time uh-huh. with with I have a hard time being on board with oafs, um, just sure. people who are who are just blissfully oblivious to themselves and the world around them, <laughs> and, and yet that doesn't stop them from being tremendously confident. Um, and even something like Anchorman. Uh-huh. He he's oafish, but he's also still pretty good at what he does. So it's like okay, sure. there, that at least gives me something to hang something on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so with this going in, like when I saw these characters, and especially, frankly, your character, I was like, oh, uh-huh. boy, here, I was like, this is going to be tough. Uh, what what <laughs> if what has Josh gotten me into? Um, but that's the thing is is the film is able to make that transition from that uh, that broad type of comedy that is that can be hit or miss with me and was able to transition into smaller moments of emotion and you know your character is probably the the biggest of the bunch and certainly the most assertive and forceful sure and yet you still have to have these moments of of vulnerability and and all that how how were you able as an actor how were you able to play that without just having these jarring shifts like, okay, now I'm going to like, now I'm going to do this thing that the complete opposite of Mm -hmm. what you just saw. Like, how are you able to do that from, from one scene to the next? Well, I think part of it is, is, you know, whether you're playing a role or whether it's, you know, your actual, uh, you know, the way you behave in the world, we all have pretty set worldviews and like, Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, oftentimes like we think we all want other people to change in big ways, but when it comes to us, like small change is is big change. You know what I mean? Like it, it takes a lot to, to really see the world differently. And, and so at least for me, you know, my, my character is this, this frat, president, you know, like you said, kind of oafish, like just, uh, aggressive know-it-all. And for him to, to make this transition into kind of realizing like, you know, certain things that he thinks might be wrong, certain beliefs that he had about other people might be wrong. And to kind of like accept that, you know, it doesn't negate his, his kind of core flaws and immaturities, but he's, he's willing to let, let them go in the hope of growth yeah. later on. And like, so I think like, you know, I wasn't so worried about um, trying to show these big changes in, in emotion, you know, in those more meaningful moments or, or versus the slapstick stuff. It was more of just like, Hey, this is who this person is. And just like any person, like it, learning and changing is a very slow transitional thing. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess the movie takes course over, you know, I guess a few months by the, by the actual ending, mm-hmm. but, uh, but not that long. So I, I, you know, he's like beginning, he's like in the beginning stages of transformation of like a coming, coming of age story. I don't think we see them fully exit out of it. Um, but we see them be, a, be aware that there is things to learn and things to, you know, to move on from in life. And, uh, so yeah, for me, it was just kind of 
you know, you see the world a certain way as a character and, and whatever is going to help you grow against that. There's still always a part of you that is, is that same person, at least in the, in, in the context of a film. Um, and so I was able to kind of just feel like it was okay to hang on to, to his stubbornness at times while also, you know, making an effort to, to, learn something by the end of it you know you you referred to it as as a, a coming of age uh, type movie in its own way and i think that's i think that's a good way to look at it because you know these are these are three uh brothers who lost their father at a very specific age and mm-hmm. not to suggest of course that a situation where like it's a, a, a now a single mother can't raise three boys to be sure. like really strong men. Uh, but in this particular case, it's their dad was this very kind of burly man and has instilled that in them at an age when they're, they're not yet able to totally process that in and, and add nuance to it. <laughs> so oh. everything is like at its, at its most base, you know, meanwhile, if he'd been around a little bit longer, maybe he would have been able to say like, Hey, by the way, emotions are okay too. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, um, exactly. And so the idea that these characters are in a state of arrested development and that they have this, um, this coming of age, even though they're in their, 20s you know it's it's a little bit older than than one would usually associate with the phrase coming of age but when you realize that they are at a certain uh, they're at an emotional maturity of a teen of an early teenager i'd say that's that's about right so yeah that's 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 very interesting that's you know when i say that that we wrote a film that we kind of knew uh background wise like our our dads were these you know, these, these manly men. And I think it, you know, over the years in our early twenties and mid twenties, you know, both Dan and I kind of started to have these conversations with our dads that, Mm -hmm. that evolved that relationship. So like you're saying, like when you don't have that time period to have this evolved relationship of who your parents are, um, you know, then you, then you fantasize what you think they were. Yeah. Uh, or what you think they are. And so uh, those are important. Talk about like formative times that these boys did not have in their young, uh, you know, transition into adulthood. Um, that's exactly what it is. Uh, it, and there's a really wonderful moment uh, towards the end. And I won't go into detail where there's a revelation that comes about uh, about uh, the kid's father and it forces you to reevaluate uh, the st- like what you know about him and suddenly you're like, okay, a lot more things are, are coming into focus and it adds a, a, a tragic quality, but also a, a, a much more realistic quality to things. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, and I, and I don't want to give away too much, so we may just need to, to leave it there. Um, but what I will do is I will ask what I've been asking everybody else, uh, as, as you're, uh, hunkered down a phrase that I'm very tired of hearing, mm-hmm. um, uh, what have you, uh, we'll ask Scott first and then we'll, we'll go over to Josh. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Watching? Uh, well, this has been a great time for me in that uh, sure. category because I normally am terrible about watching anything. I just mm. suck at, at uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much more inclined to watch movies than TV, even though I love certain uh, shows, but, but I've finally kind of, 
bridged the gap. I, I got through uh, Watchmen, which was uh, quite the uh, series on HBO. Uh, I was way behind in Barry. I hadn't even started it, so I just got through Barry, which I, I loved. St- I still haven't started it. Um, oh, it was just phenomenal. Did you, you said? Uh, I, I want to talk more it's, about, about it. Like, it's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. I, I I was actually like uh, realizing that I was having trouble sleeping um, because we were watching that show at night before <laughs> before I'd go to bed, and it just stuck with me. Um, but those two series I would highly recommend. And then uh, uh, weird on a weird note, I watched Avatar for the first time. Oh, I had never really? seen it. No and I just, I just finished it. And uh, man, what a, what a subpar script, but like, <laughs> but like that movie could come out today and you would think those graphics are, are fine. Well, that's Cameron. I mean, he's like, yeah. he's a, a pretty stunning visualist. I'd mm. say he's a good big picture storyteller. It's usually in the details, like where you're like, these characters are really archetypical <laughs> and, and all of that. And I didn't see Titanic until probably 10 years after it came out. And that was, that was long. Yeah. That was my response was like, Oh, like, yeah, the, the, the big stuff's cool. But like yeah. a lot of the, yeah. years. And and as time has gone on, I've I've come to appreciate that. That like, well, there's nothing wrong with something like if if your sure. goal is to make a spectacle and you achieve that, then good for you. But yes, it's he's to my knowledge, I I don't think he's ever been nominated for screenplay, despite his movies being nominated like Titanic sweeping almost everything that year. Sure. It's just like, yeah, that's worth noting. Like uh, yeah. Yeah, but not it's many also people can do that still. It it can also be kind of liberating that like if you <laughs> If you are a strong enough visualist, you can overcome a bad script, but sure. you damn well better be a strong visualist. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And also, yeah, I saw it in the theater and I, I was thankful that I saw it in 3D because that is really where it excelled for me. It's like, it's still one of the best uses of 3D that I've ever seen. So, And that's what um, everybody told me. I do wish I would have seen it. Uh, I'm sure they'll probably bring it back once, uh, once the uh, second one comes out next year. Did you watch it like on a phone, like while you're eating breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, yeah, this is pretty good, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it looks okay. I don't want everybody to make such a big deal about. <laughs> uh, Josh, what have you been watching? Um, in as far as TV, I've been just Tiger King because everybody was watching it. So sure, watch that, and that was you know what it was all the fun I expected it to be for like the first three episodes. And then after that, it just got depressing and started to kind of feel like what I hate about reality TV. Like if I watch more than just a little bit of reality TV, I started to have this kind of sick feeling and I was starting to get that towards the end. Hmm. Of it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I see what happened. Of course. Um, <laughs> we watched it in one sitting. Oh. We, we watched all seven hours oh at once. <sighs> That's- See, and that's the thing is like, I have not watched it. I don't know if I will. I'm sure it will, it will be very addicting in its own way, but I just look at the image. I'm like, oh boy, speaking of O-Fish, you yeah. know what? I think I, I don't think I can deal with this. Yeah. Do you like Christopher Guest movies? <laughs> yes and no. That is a Christopher Guest movie it's, waiting it's to happen. It's literally a Christopher Guest. Well, he couldn't even, it, it just it already yeah. is one. It's, it's already Stranger Than Fiction. I had I had heard something that apparently there is some sort of I don't know if it's a miniseries or a TV show or a movie or something coming out about this story that 
so dumb. Before, it's like based on, there was a podcast investigating something about it. Oh, sure. I guess the movie's based on the pod or whatever it is, because Kate McKinnon is going to play uh, Carol Baskin. Of hmm. course. Anyway, so that's that was the TV I've been watching. Also, uh, as far as TV, I've been watching uh, in tandem a little bit on Cinema and Decker on uh, on uh, Tyler's recommendation. <laughs> and that's um, I got to, I just got to the episode where uh, Tim is convinced that he can he can vape this thing and doesn't have to eat anymore because the nutrients are in the vape. Yeah, horrible. And of course, it, it runs totally counter to what I just said. Like those guys are oafish. Oh, but yeah. there's just something. I think in that case, because they're dealing with they're they're ostensibly dealing in film criticism, which is like, and I, I've seen enough like YouTube critics where it's like they are not far off not from off, yeah. this. That uh, maybe because I have a I have a slightly unique insight into it, I'm able to to keep watching it. But I, I yeah. will say I think the Tim Heidecker stuff too, in general, has he has a tendency to come a little bit too close to reality which like it's very much on the line between very uncomfortable and just uh, too much. Um, (laughs) And that's interesting because for me, Greg Turkington, man, that character, just the idea of seeing himself as like a, just a a movie guy, (laughs) but you realize he has no taste at all. He's totally unable to discern good from bad. He's seen a lot of movies and he owns a lot of VHSs, but that's it. That's that's his his expert critique. Oh man. (laughs) Anyway, so that's, that's TV. As far as movies, it's been kind of all over the place recently. I watched. Yeah. I was looking at your letterbox. It definitely, there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to what you've been watching. Uh, Here's, here's my last four on letterbox. I got teenage zombies, which is a 1950. No, no. It's a, it's a 1960, maybe uh, just, bad uh horror movie mostly about teenagers looking for a boat that's most of what it is um then i watched uh yorgos lanthimos's i don't know if it's his first film or one of his early features um called canetta which is okay doesn't didn't really i didn't love it okay um, but his, several of his films are up on criteria the criterion channel now so i'm trying to watch those because i love the lobster and, I, and a lot of his later yeah stuff, a lot um, it's just interesting, interesting to see kind of the next or the, the, where he got started. Um, then I a movie called the lunchbox, which is an Indian movie. That's was fantastic. Actually, Meg, Megan said she was in the mood for maybe, uh, a Bollywood movie, which I always am. So I was like, take the opportunity, but, uh, this one's not actually like a Bollywood movie. There's no sense right. or anything in it, but, uh, it's a very good, uh, little, little drama that I enjoyed a lot. And um, before that, I watched Until the End of the World, which is Ben Bender's five-hour-long epic about <sighs> it's it's hard it's hard to say. It's a, it feels like I feel it's... like describing any Vim Bender's film with simply a deep sigh works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a it's it's a dystopian road movie about. Uh, dreams, kind of. Oh, okay. Sounds like you're trying to describe Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> something I've I've wanted to read for years, but I've read like other. I've things. tried reading it for years, and I will never succeed. Man, 
all of his stuff, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening. So, but I always hear that one's good. I'll read it eventually, and maybe I'll hate it. But who knows? <laughs> Inherent Vice mostly made sense. Like, I understood what was going on. I don't know why any of it was happening, but. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel like I need to, I haven't read any of, any of, his, uh, any of his books, but uh, I do feel like I need to revisit Inherent Vice, the movie. I didn't really like it mm-hmm. the first time, but I think now that I know what it is, I should watch it again and, and kind of give it a second shot because there are things in it that I adore and then other things I'm like, what do you, what do you, what's, go, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that, you know, my confusion does not necessarily mean the movie is bad. Um, but uh, I just need to give it a, a, another look. But anyway, um, okay, so we should, uh, we should uh, wrap up. Where can people find Man Camp 2020? Okay. The, other one can go to, the other one can go to hell. But, uh, but where can people yeah. find yours? Dean Take Kane it away, Josh. And find us, and boy, are we going to be in trouble. I'll fight um, Dean Kane. I'll fight him any day of the week. All right, that's on <laughs> <what> you. <laughs> um, uh, so it's right now. It's a bit. Well, when when is this when is this dropping today? Uh, probably today or tomorrow. Okay, so it's available for pre order right now for iTunes slash Apple TV. Uh, iTunes and Apple TV are sort of the same thing, but it depends on which version of the, you have. So if you don't have one, you you probably have the other one or yeah. whatever. Um, so it's available there for pre order now. So that's what we're encouraging people to do right now. It's on sale throughout this weekend, like up until the uh, the release. It's only six ninety nine to pre order, and I think it's going to be four or four ninety nine to, to just to rent it after that. So mm. that we're saying, hey, <laughs> you pay once and you can see as many times as you want for that. So that's what we're encouraging people to do. If you can't get it that way. Um, It'll be available on various streaming platforms on April 21st, this coming Tuesday. Uh, so that includes Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, and uh, a few other. Um, DirecTV, PlayStation. Yes, it's on. A- anywhere you can rent or buy a movie. Mm-hmm. I have a Super Nintendo. Can yep. I? Yeah. Okay, yes. great, great. <laughs> you can just you download it right onto your Super Nintendo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it'll look a lot like Super Mario Kart. It, but yeah, you, it'll be yeah. pixelated. It'll right. be pixelated. If you think about it, you're like, this is different. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, oh, there's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that shell got him. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, have you ever played Home Alone on Sega Genesis? I have not. Okay. Well, it's like that. <laughs> Well, now, obviously, I'm just going to look that up on principle. But uh, anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, everyone, uh, do check out uh, various reviews for, for Man Camp. And uh, uh, if the film sounds good to you, and I do think uh, most people will enjoy it, so uh, check it out at uh, Buy It On Sale. Um, and uh, yeah, um, in the meantime, Josh and Scott, thank you so much for, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. So, all right. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye.